Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchup, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games to conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, it's the great Mike Reese from ESPN. Mike talks about the state of the Patriots at this stage of the offseason, what they've done so far in free agency, and his thoughts on the changes on the coaching staff. That's all up right now on the Patriots Report. Let's start with this. What's your general 30,000 feet view when it comes to the Patriots offseason? Depth. One word, Pricey. You know, I was thinking about it, and I thought this year it might be interesting if Bill Belichick tries to get what we call the blue chip. You know, sign one guy that you can say, all right, we got a blue chip on our board. Elite player. There weren't too many of them available in this free agent class. There were some, so not to say like there were none, but didn't he didn't go that route. And so to me, this has all been about depth and filling out the roster, creating competition, a really the tried and true formula that he's had over the years. And I guess we'll see if they can somehow develop some blue chips, draft some blue chips, however that works. Um, but I think everyone realizes after an eight and nine season, I mean, they, they need to address the roster. It's interesting that there are some, some really intriguing free agent ads that they've, that they've, they've acquired over the last couple of days. I know there's still plenty of time between now and the start of the season, but as we sit here right now, which one of these guys to you really stands out as the potential to have the greatest impact on the 2023 roster? Well, I think you got to go with Juju Smith-Schuster, Pricey, because, I mean, to me, Jacoby Myers as a re-sign would have been a a really good move for them. And essentially, they swapped out Jacoby for Juju. So I think uh, a lot of the reporters on the beat have done a really good job fleshing this out, saying, well, what was it about Juju that they liked more than Jacoby, right? Maybe, Maybe the physical traits, the natural physical traits, that Juju has are are greater than Jacoby, a um, little bit stronger, um, better run after the catch. But what does Jacoby give you? You developed him, mm-hmm. pillar type guy, um, clutch in terms of you know go to guy, uh, really smooth route runner. So you know there's a trade off there. But to me, I sort of look at it and say, well. That's what they did. They obviously had a reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. And if Juju can stay healthy, that's sort of a big if, Pricey. That's the one yeah. risk there. I I think when I think about the risk with Juju, it's like a lot of, lot of wear and tear through the first stretch of his career. And uh, I was talking to some people who had covered him the last couple of years, and they tell stories of seeing him in the locker room like, 
in the AFC championship game this year where he didn't finish the game because of his knee and just how much pain he looked like he was in, you know? So that would be the, the you know, when I say to you, like, that's the guy I'm starting with because I think mm-hmm. he's the biggest impact guy, but it doesn't come without, uh, you know, some risk there. I, I'd be curious to get your take on why they swapped him up because on paper, it looks like there are two very similar, at least statistically, individuals. And, and we can get into some more specifics if you want, but you'd think for the same price, you would want that level of familiarity as opposed to Juju, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. So it's interesting to me in that they they are, in, in some respects, the same player in terms of where they would fit in the offense. Probably more on the inside, but they can play on the outside, right? And be productive. So I always sort of just go back to the traits. And I think Juju, like if you were to line the two of them up and say, who's the more impressive physical traits guy, mm-hmm. I think you'd go with Juju. And yeah. you'd probably look at his running after the catch. You know, catch the ball in the short to intermediate part of the field and then make plays, you know, with the ball in your hands after doing that. he he He's done that more than Jacoby. Um, and, and I think the thing... And you and me, we've been around for a while now, Pricey. One thing you don't want to do is like, I don't like knocking guys on their way out the door, yeah. right? And yeah. and I think Jacoby gave so much to the Patriots. So anything I say about Juju, I don't want it to come across exactly. as anti-Jacoby. Yeah. Because yeah. I actually, I think there's a big risk the Patriots are taking here. I don't know if you heard I, this. I don't. Did you hear Devin, how he yeah. compared Jacoby to Julian Edelman? I saw that. I saw I that. I mean, that's a, that's a big comparison to say, like, they would say, do it like Julian. You know, mm-hmm. he came up through the system, unheralded player, be like him. You strip a player like that away after losing a Ted Karras, same way. Losing a Joe Tooney, same Like, just got to, you know, be a little careful when you strip that stuff away, I think. I, I know that we're only a few days into free agency, but does anything surprise you so far when it comes to the way they've gone about doing their business? Hmm. Anything surprise me with the Patriots? Maybe a little bit pricey with the offensive tackle stuff, you know, like the idea of um, Riley Reef, mm-hmm. who like when like we thought that being on a tackle, right? Like everyone yeah. knew that was a position of need. And I always try to be consistent when I'm going into free agency. I'm looking at I'm saying, I don't think it'll be Orlando Brown. I don't think he really fits their, you know, their system, probably more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, in my opinion, you know, in terms of his strength. Yeah. Mike McGlinchey, I looked at it and I said, I know, like, he got a big money deal in Denver, but I didn't think he was like the blue chip player that we talked about at the start. I think he's a solid player, but not worthy of that. So I guess that would be the one thing that would surprise me when I thought about the type of tackle they would go after. Um, like Riley Reef might, I, I hear he's a great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the player was with the Bengals two years ago. They didn't bring him back. Was with the Bears last year. Not not very motivated for them to bring him back. You know, like he's clearly he's at the towards the end of his career. And the Patriots give him a one year deal. I think it was five million base value, um, with upside for more, which tells me that like that's more than a throwaway. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Again, not to disparage the player, he might come, but Riley Reef might come in and do a great job, but he wouldn't wasn't the guy that I was targeting for them, you know, in that tackle mix. It would have been more like someone like Donovan Smith, 
down in Tampa. Mm -hmm. Um, little younger had played for Bill O'Brien at Penn state. I don't know what that experience was like, but I thought maybe that connection, um, you know, the Andre Dillard, I think they were in on him. He was a guy similar. So, you know, maybe, and it's a mild surprise, Pricey, not a huge surprise on something like that. So can we jump ahead and say, all right, their relative lack of inactivity at the tackle position in free agency signals that they're going to be players when it comes to the draft. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to, you know, go all in at number 14 on someone like Skaronsky, but it seems to me that they are setting themselves up to take a tackle within the first couple of rounds of this draft. That that would make a lot of sense, right? And and it goes back to something I think you and me were in the room together with Nick Casario at one point. And he said, look, thankfully, you know, we're not playing a game right now. Mm-hmm. But if we had to, we could feel the team. And that's the goal that we're trying to do right now is just fill out our roster. So if we had to play, we we could we could feel the team. But you're going to keep building it over the course of the next few months. And I think to me, that's what Riley Reef at 34 years old gives you. He gives you a bridge, right? Like if you need him, mm-hmm. you hope he can come in and play for you. Calvin Anderson, offensive tackle, formerly of the Broncos, like maybe a developmental type. Not maybe not. Maybe that's that's not the right word because he's actually played 41 games with 12 starts. But a young player that you hope you can grow into your system and maybe becomes a swing tackle like a Tom Ashworth, you know, like mm-hmm. just to pick a name in the yeah. past years, you know. Um, but like that doesn't mean you're not thinking about a young guy that can be the Matt Light. Eventually, yeah. A decade, right? Yeah. Like uh, Nate Solder, a deck, you know, seven years, whatever it two was. Two great examples, two, two great examples in all this. And, and, and I kind of want to get into that. And I think the preference is they would love to get, look, and, and this is like you said, this is not to run down the players that they've acquired, but they would love to be able to get a tackle and just put them out there for a decade. Development, you know, get the the Matt Light model, the Nate Solder model, and it feels like after talking to people who are really dialed in on this draft, that there are a couple of guys out there who could be those guys. I'm not necessarily saying that they're locks to be the next Light or the next Matt Solder, Nate Solder, but it feels like this draft has a couple of those individuals where you could take him at 14 and you could stick him at tackle and you won't have to worry about him for the next 10 years. I agree with that, Pricey. And I think I would go even bigger picture, like whoever they pick, like what do you have in place infrastructure wise to help that player become that Nate Solder, you know, type of guy, Matt Light type of guy. And it's why I think any discussion about the Patriots this offseason offense start with the coordinator, Bill O'Brien and the line coach, Adrian Clem. Like they, there's a lot of cleanup that they're trying to do from last year that stunted players development that led to, you know, cratered statistics that just dipped way down. And I think the infrastructure looks to me appears to be better than it was last year to, to, to sort of, Take the second part of that puzzle. It's not just picking the player. One of my favorite stories, Pricey, was when I first started, 1997, Pete Carroll was a coach. Bobby Greer was a vice president of player personnel. And they always would talk. They'd say, look, it's not just about drafting the player. It's about developing. Like, they're not coming in as finished products. 
And I know some people might say, well, that's not the best example because Pete and Bobby Greer didn't have the greatest stretch together. But I think conceptually what they were thinking was was right. One of the things that struck me, and I'm glad that you mentioned the the coaching staff, and I'd be curious to get your take on this. There are now four former players on Bill's coaching staff in Mayo, Clem, Troy Brown, and Billy Yates. I can't remember him having that many ex-players, guys who played for him or guys who didn't play for him on his staff. Is that coincidence or is that is there something more there? Yeah, I think there might be something a little more there. Um, specific to Clem, I, I think one of the things that I, I believe I was told, and, and I'd have to go back and check my notes, but they really liked how he related to players. So, you know, and I think there's something to be said for if you're a player and a former player steps up in front of you in the meeting room and says, like, I've been there, you know, or, or I know what you're going through. Let me tell you about this story. I was a second round draft pick here out of Hawaii. And it was a culture shock to me when I came in here. It's pretty powerful, Pricey. You know, like it, it, if you can combine that history as a player with the acumen and communication skills and teaching skills that you need to be a successful coach. So not, I don't know if Adrian Clem will be that for them, but I think they're, they're enamored with the possibility that, that it could be a very good fit. What, if at all, does this say about Bill's coaching style, bringing in this many ex-players at this stage of his coaching career? I'm not sure how to answer that. I honestly don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I would think if you really asked him honestly, he would say, we evaluated all our options and we felt like they were the best fit. You know, I mean, anytime you'd want uh, Troy Brown, like that's a good thing, right? I, I think he had been talking to Troy for a while to try to mm-hmm. get him onto the staff. And, you know, it was a timing thing for Troy and it worked out that he finally said, yes, we know that's the case with Gerard, right? When he went to um, Optum, mm-hmm. Bill had been talking to him about coaching and and Gerard had sort of said, not, you know, not, not now, not yet brought in Gerard, right? So I think these are high quality people, especially those two that we know. And Billy Yates, probably the connection was as much with Matt, Patricia, because he had been with Matt in Detroit. And so... Um, that connection probably, you know, was a big part of it. In addition to Billy's playing with the Patriots back in the day. What's your best guess as to what happens to Matt, to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge this offseason? So Joe will be around. Uh, I feel fairly confident or very confident of that. Um, and I think like we've covered the team. Think about people like Floyd Reese, Michael Lombardi. Like to me, from Bill Belichick's view, Joe Judge falls into the category there where he might not be with a specific position, but you want him around because you view him as Bill Belichick as a very smart person, a loyal person, someone who knows your program, who you like. So I think, you know, he'll be around in some form. Matt, I think, is still working through what he wants to do. And the longer it goes, it makes me think that any option is in play from he's not anywhere this year to he could resurface again right and so i think that's still working itself out i try to put myself in his shoes you know he had the the three years in detroit didn't end great so go through a lot there comes here he's sort of behind the scenes guy doing a lot of different things and then last year we we all know how that unfolded that's a lot of turbulence in his life right 
professionally and I would imagine personally. So maybe just, I, I, I don't know what he's thinking, but maybe just like trying to find some like smooth air. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it feels like he might be best suited to the Ernie Adams role. Makes sense. Just a thought. Yeah, that would make sense. And I, I think I, I don't, I don't know what Bill Belichick is thinking, but I would think that, you know, he would see value in having him around in that role. Um, but I will tell you, Pricey, I, I don't think, like, he's not, like, there right now. So mm -hmm. there's still some, I guess, uncertainty. Do you have, and I know speaking from experience, even if we're not, you know, knee-deep in the draft, we all have a draft binky. We, you know, we all watch the combine. We all get to interview guys, and we all get to see, oh, this guy would be perfect in New England. Now, look, more often than not, the guys that I've picked end up elsewhere. But my guy this year is Tank Dell, the kid out of Houston. Maybe they can strike gold again, getting a Marcus Jones type. Is there a guy out there for you when it comes to the draft where you can identify him and you could say, look, here's a kid who I think would really flourish in Foxborough? All right, let, let's have some fun, Pricey, okay? Um, and and it's early, mm -hmm. and I, I'm going to be honest. I'm influenced by a, a recent conversation I had with a good buddy of mine who turned me on to this. But when you think of... Patriots offensive players and drills that they like. What do you got? Three cone. All right. When you think of receivers in this draft with a good three cone, does anyone stand out to you? I, I don't want to put you on the spot here. I'm I'm a tank Dell guy. I okay. like I said, I'm a tank Dell guy. I beginning and end. I don't think he's a first rounder for them, but look, there's a chance he's there at let's say 46. I think yes. you jump on him. Okay. So I'm going even higher, like at 14, like I just go for the quality at Ohio State and it's one year of production. Mm -hmm. But when I when I saw that at the combine, I'm like, that's what they need. Right. Like, yeah. like, oh, so let's talk this through right now as they're presently constituted offensively. If you're planning for them as a defensive coach, who are you looking at and being like, oh, boy. I think Devontae, I think when, when Devontae is healthy, I think he's a threat. Hunter Henry, um, Ramondre Stevenson. But there's no guy who jumps off the page. There's no yeah. guy who says, oh, man, we really got to devote multiple guys to, you know, to taking care of this guy. So that's what I'm looking for, Pricey. I'm looking for the for them, for the electricity, mm -hmm. for the guy that, you know what? Like, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're like, just know where he is at all times. And I know that's not their style and they haven't had great history with first round wide receivers. But to me, like that would be exciting. And it would add like a little bit of a spark to a team that feels like it needs a little spark to me right now. Yeah, it does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that would take you away from the offensive tackle that we talked about early. And I think that would also be a great way to go. Mm -hmm. And probably more in character with what they do. Um, but that was the first thought that came to mind. Seeing that three cone drill in the combine, I'm like, bring that quickness to New England. And maybe that's like that blue chip player mm -hmm. that you can develop to start to get some of the same type of players we see when we turn on the TV in the playoffs and we see these offensive playmakers. Mm -hmm. And you're like, 
how you get one of those up here? You need you need to land one, at least one at this stage, you know, if if you want to compete seriously at, at, at any level. How do they go about filling the void when it comes to losing Devin McCourty? When you look at Devin's legacy, it is going to be it, it leaves a big void. It does. And I mean, I I think the answer to the question, Pricey, is what Devin said. Who would know better? He's mm-hmm. right in there. He mentioned Jonathan Jones, too. And so I think put him in there. And then I think what he had said was like, actually, with you on your on this podcast, I thought yep. he was excellent. Thank Great you. job by you. Um, talked about, you know, Dietrich maybe takes another step up. Dietrich wise, Juwan Bentley takes another step up, like almost That's like the other graduate yeah. on that leadership thing. He had also said Jacoby. And I don't know if that was with you or someone else, which is what we had talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Why I think that loss is. You know, you at least have to mention it when you talk about the exchange with Juju. Um, David Andrews is a great leader. Offensive lineman, you know, I, I think sometimes that, that can be hard to transcend to all the position groups, right? But he's a good one. I mean, honestly, Pricey, ideally it becomes Mac. I know that's a hard one right now because of the the way his sort of trajectory was going up and then it went back down. But you hope to get that going in the right direction, you know, back a- again. It's a tough one, man. That's a tough one, you know, because one, you're, you're just not going to replace him. Just like we'll have the same discussion with Matthew Slater yeah. when, he, when he hangs him up five years from now. I, I was talking about this with LG, the idea that he was one of Bill's all-time favorites. Not Maybe not his best, maybe not one of his best players because Bill's resume is, look, unmatched being in the game for 40 years. He's coached thousands and thousands of guys. So... I'm not going to say that Devin is one of his all-time greatest players, but I think when you look at what he brought to the field on a consistent basis, the way he carried out the gameplay and the way he operated as a leader, I think he's going to go down as one of Bill Belichick's all-time favorite players to have coached. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, you know, and I think part of it was going back to that time. The years, they just keep going, Pricey, that you sometimes forget. I mean, think about where we were in 2010, you know, we had had they had had the heartbreak in 2007 with the undefeated regular season losing the Super Bowl. Tom tears his ACL the next season, 11 and five, no playoffs. Then the next season sort of fade at the end of the year, wild card round, blowout home loss. Right. And so now you're into that offseason and you're like, man, it's been it sounds ridiculous to say it, but it's been six, seven years since the last Super Bowl championship. Is it ever going to happen again? Right. And then everyone wants Des Bryant, Jerry Hughes, whoever it was back then. It's Devin McCourty who is going to help us on all four downs. And everyone says, four downs. Like, what are we talking about? The kicking game. <laughs> right. And it's Gronk. Right. And I think that to me, when I think about Devin and his arrival, why it was so, you know, critical, if you will, and, and why he'll be viewed in, in, in your words as one of Bill's favorites. So when you think about the context of the the timing of that, it almost kickstarted that second. It really decade. did. It really did. Because, and I go back to the phrase, he helped disinfect a, a semi-toxic locker room Yeah. at that point. And it wasn't just that draft class, but guys like Algie Crumpler coming in and Bill being able to identify guys who could turn things around relatively quickly because that was a really I don't want to say miserable but that was probably the low point when you talk about that post first Super Bowl run 
and yeah. the second Super Bowl run where it just got to be a really difficult, you know, really difficult locker room in a lot of ways. Yes. And I think about Matthew Slater in that context, too. I mean, I can almost think back to came in in 2008. So that would have been his third season. I mean, I remember roster projections at that time and people saying, I'm not sure, though, you know, Matthew had a hamstring, if I remember, or, or in that range of time, mm-hmm. you know, and for our discussion on leadership here. Like you see how both those guys, their leadership evolved, you know, from that time on on and to what it ultimately became, which was just incredibly special to the team. It's a process. And I think that's the important thing for people to remember. Speaking of being a process and just one more question here. I have to remind people a lot of times on social media that team building is a year round endeavor. Rodney Harrison signed two weeks into free agency and look, free agency was different back then. I know, but you know, you had Rob Ninkovich being discovered in August. You mm-hmm. were able to make trades around the draft for guys like Randy Moss and Welker. And so I guess my question is, can you give people some sense of optimism that, look, even though things are relatively underwhelming for them at this stage of the calendar, that this is only one step in the process toward team building. And, you know, you can really assess a team a lot better in August than you can say in March or April. Definitely pricey. And we only need to look back at a couple years ago when they were spending, you know, big dollars with, for John U. Smith. And I think there was a lot of excitement for him. You know, at the time I was right there. Look what happened. Right. So I think there's two ways to look at it. Like one, you want to get a blue chip player, like, the, the the start of free agency is the time like that's you, you, they don't last that long and they didn't do that so there's not going to be many more opportunities to get blue chip players unless you know one becomes available in a trade i mean i wouldn't and to me i think people probably saying well what about obj or what about deandre hopkins like both those players i mean are a little further along right now they got injury thoughts with obj um i'm not sure that's is that really blue i don't know i and i hate to keep using the words blue chip but like i I wouldn't say bluish bluish (laughs) right light blue those those, until those players and there's resolution with both of them i mean there's always hope Mm -hmm. right like that and they have flexibility to add if they want to so i think that's probably the one thing i would say but so i don't want to like say hey you know everything's going to be great you know optimism like there is a reality to the fact of like the best play. There's a reason the best players are signing in free agency early, right? Like there, there, there's not many of them hanging around anymore, but you keep building your team. And we talked about the infrastructure, which I think is critical offensively. Honestly, pricey, nothing would matter with who they bring in if they didn't get that part squared away. Well, somewhere back here, I got my copy of Patriot pride. It's still on sale out there. Amazon, Great bookstores everywhere with Troy with Troy Brown. Yes, it's Great out book. there. Not, Loved it. I don't, we, we probably still get the same, um, like, uh, the things from the publisher, you know, and I'm <laughs> that tell you how many sell like the notifications right here, right here. <laughs> it's a nice little check though. Every six, every six months or so, man, that's one of the benefits of writing a book that yeah. you, you all of a sudden get a little, Oh, look at that. There's a little, you know, there's a little, there's a little check in the mail that, you know, allows yeah. you to go out to dinner with a family or something. So, yes, I love it, Pricey. And and just honestly, just one other thing I know we're, we're wrapping up, but to finish, it's like 
you do build a team over time, right? Mm-hmm. So like I I I don't I think I'm I don't want to give mixed messages, but like there is something to be said for be aggressive, go get go get the best that mm-hmm. you can get. To okay, you know there is a an element of patience, and you know you don't want to be needing a tackle, offensive tackle, you know, in November and having to go to the Jets practice squad to sign one, right? And so you try to. For, as a reporter, as you we are, mm-hmm. just try to keep it down the middle and and try to balance those two worlds, if that makes sense. Mike Grace, thank you so much. I know it's an incredibly busy time of year for you, and so I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this, my friend. Always love being with you, Pricey. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. One more reminder, this edition of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchup, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.